Welcome to 50 Shades of Wealth, Confessions of a Real Estate Investor, the show where you'll learn the real estate investing secrets of the pros. Your host, Sarah Jung, pulls back the curtain and shows you how to build wealth with real estate investing. Welcome to 50 Shades of Wealth, Confessions of a Real Estate Investor. This is the show where we talk about the good, bad, and ugly when it comes to real estate investing, and we discuss strategies for building long-term wealth through education and personal growth. I'm your host, Sarah Jung, CEO and founder of Legacy Bloom Investments. And today I want to talk about cost segregation, what it is and how it benefits real estate investors. I'm really excited to have with us a special guest, Yona Weiss, our cost segregation expert. Yona is a powerhouse with property owners tax savings. As business director at Madison Specs, a national cost segregation leader, he has assisted clients in saving tens of millions of dollars on taxes through cost segregation. He has a background in teaching and a passion for real estate and helping others. He's also a real estate investor and the host of the new podcast, Weiss Advice. That is such a great name, Yona. Thanks for being on my show today. So let's talk a little bit about your background uh, and, you know, I've known Yona actually through social media. Uh, Yona is all over social media and he has just done a fabulous job just really educating the public on what cost segregation is and just doing a lot of different episodes on how uh, investors can save all this money. Um, so Yona, welcome and tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get started and, and what made you interested in getting into cost segregation? Thanks so much, Sarah. It's a pleasure to join you and I really appreciate you inviting me. Absolutely. Uh, th yeah, this is a lot of fun. You know, it's really my favorite thing to do in the world right now, besides for like, you know, hanging out with my kids and is you know, <laughs> just podcasting and it's a lot of fun. I appreciate uh, you inviting me. Uh, a little bit about me, I guess you gave a great introduction there. My background is in teaching. In fact, I didn't really know much about real estate in general until about five years ago when I decided, you know, I wanted to do something else and kind of looked around and found real estate was a great industry, a lot of opportunities, and that my belief was confirmed upon, you know, entering in and, and networking and meeting tons of amazing people. But when I found this company that does cost segregation, Madison, they do a number of services, a really well-known commercial real estate company, um, especially on the East Coast, where one of the biggest title agencies in the country and a lot of really great people. But what I found about cost segregation is that it really combines a lot of my skills and talents, which are teaching, right? Mm -hmm. And I found people don't know what the heck cost segregation is. So I find myself just having to explain it over and over again. And that has really kind of brought out this, uh, you know, like you said, on social media, I'm just going all over the place telling people about this because it's such an important topic and because it's one that most people don't understand because of the complexity. And simplifying it is kind of one of my, one of my skills. So that's been a, a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you know, and I've watched a number of your videos and actually, you know, you know, that's actually how I found it. I actually found you originally on YouTube. <laughs> so, <Really>? Yes. <laughs> but it actually happens that we have actually a lot of college, just kind of people in common in the industry. So what is cost segregation? So I, you know, I didn't learn about cost segregation just to, just until recently this year as well. And so I didn't even know really what it was. So tell us what, what is it exactly? It's really an advanced form of depreciation which means depreciation is a tax deduction that you get when you buy a property. Um, besides your personal residence, any type of property you buy, investment property, you get to take a tax deduction called depreciation, which is based on the concept that things go down in value 
as time goes on, so the government is giving you an incentive to you know, deduct a small amount every year from your taxes because your building is losing money, right? Your investment is losing money when it's really not. So that's why I say it's based on that concept. Cost segregation is just an advanced form of that. Really what it is, is breaking down the property into different components that depreciate at a faster rate. So you can take larger tax deductions up front and, and earlier on, which you know, increases your cash flow and is a great strategy to grow your real estate business. So when you say at a faster rate, it's, it's accelerated at a faster rate. So for example, let's say that the standard depreciation schedule is 27 and a half years. So how quickly would it accelerate by doing a cost segregation study? That's correct. So what we're doing is breaking out different assets and the IRS give different schedules for different categories of assets. The main one is besides for the building is what's called personal property. And that depreciates on a five-year schedule. So all the stuff in your building that's not part of the structure, that can be you know anything from appliances to furniture to you know partitions and wall coverings and lighting and all kinds of stuff, right? All that stuff, the carpeting, even cabinets, the value of that stuff you can now take as a tax deduction, depreciate on a five-year schedule. Okay, and it's usually a significant amount. I mean, multifamily properties will be usually around 20% of your building can be in that category. And the other main category is called land improvements. So that's anything outside of your building, like pavement, landscaping, fencing, signage, you know, any type of concrete, if you have a parking lot, anything like that. All the value of those assets, and I call them assets because it is, I mean, you have land, but on top of that land, you have a lot of stuff and that all costs money. It costs money to pave the parking lot. All of that can now be depreciated on a 15 year schedule. So we're accelerating, you know, to different schedules, to different amounts of time, but essentially front-loading a lot of that. And with the land improvements, how is land incorporated into that? Yeah, land itself does not depreciate, which means once you buy a property, you have to allocate a certain amount for land, the land value. And that's typically between 10 and 20%, although certain places like, you know, California <laughs> is, uh, is much higher. I mean, a lot of times I've seen it up, you know, 40, 50, 60% land value to properties, which is crazy. And only the remaining amounts can be depreciated. So let's say we take an apartment building, for example, mm-hmm. and I don't know, and this is just kind of a hypothetical scenario, but let's just say we buy it for, um, let's say a million dollars. And we're going to hold it, you know, as an investor for, let's say, three, four, five years. Is there, I mean, would something like that make sense? Or is there kind of a price point where cost segregation makes sense? And then a kind of a point where it doesn't make sense? Sure. I think it always makes sense. But there are, you know, there's when it makes more sense than others, right? So typically on properties purchased for over a half a million dollars, the amount of depreciation you're going to get versus the amount of accelerated depreciation you could potentially get is, is quite significant. And let's just take a round number. Let's say it's 10%, which is very, very, very conservative. Okay. You're taking an extra 10%, an extra, you know, $50,000 per, per $500,000. So make it easier, a hundred thousand per million dollars of extra tax deductions. That's, you know, that's quite significant. And it paying a few thousand dollars to get the study done, which is typically what it costs you know, your tax savings, those deductions created after tax savings, right? Your deduction lowers your taxable liability. Let's say you had a $200,000 income and you had $100,000 of deductions. Well, instead of paying tax on $200,000, you're now only paying tax on $100,000. That creates a net, you know, real cash value of how much you 
would have had to pay in taxes. And, and that's pretty significant, you know? So that, again, over $500,000, it's like 10 xing your, mm. your money in terms of the investment of the, you know, how much it costs to get it done. And then beyond that, it just exponential. And again, that was just an example of 10%, which is very, very low, very conservative. It's usually more like 20, 25% of the, of the building value. So your firm completes the study. What's the process of that? What does that look like? Do they actually send somebody out and actually look at the property or how does that work? Yeah, it actually requires um, an engineer to be involved in this study, which is why it's a tax thing, but accountants can't really do it because it requires this engineering component. You need to have someone that understands construction and also understands the tax code to know how to apply the findings. So yes, we have an engineer that will come to the property, although now with COVID and with the whole, you know, hands off, you know, everyone mm-hmm. doesn't, no one wants to see anyone, right? We're, or not even allowed to go out of your house in certain places, right? We're doing most of our work virtually now. So we're able to get, you know, we call it the smart tour. And instead of sending our engineers to the property, we're able to have them do it remotely through a video with someone on site, a property manager or the owner or someone who can take them around, show them, take measurements and et cetera. They come and create this very detailed report, mm-hmm. which creates a new depreciation schedule. And so if we're closing escrow on an apartment building, for example, uh, what would you need to actually conduct that study? What kind of documentation or specifically what would you need to get started? So the first thing we always do is run a free estimate. And so that's even before you close on the property, you can already get that to have an idea of what the tax savings are going to be. For that, we basically need a few, you know, depending on what type of property it is. For multifamily, it's pretty simple. We usually need the purchase price. We'll need the address. And from the address, our engineers will find out things like square footage, number of units, you know, when the year it was built, how much the square footage of the parking, if, if there is any of, uh, of the whole property, et cetera, unit breakdown, you know, if there's one unit, it's two units, how much that breakdown. So those are the information we need, but usually just from the address itself, we can, we can get that data. Um, okay. So we need the address, the purchase price, and then the closing date. And okay, those so three it sounds pretty information, simple. pretty simple. Once we actually do the study itself, the only other thing we need besides the engineer going to site is just uh, documents that will help to, uh, you know, just corroborate our findings, which are like an appraisal and, you know, the closing statement just to verify the facts. Sure. So all, and all of that goes into your, your study. Because again, when you're doing anything that is tax related and the IRS has a very detailed system of how you need to do a conservation study and it needs to include all kinds of documentation in it uh, as well. You're listening to 50 Shades of Wealth, Confessions of a Real Estate Investor. Want a free guide to behind-the-scenes secrets of real estate investing? Head on over to LegacyBloom.com and claim your free book today. And just for everybody listening, I just want to, just a really quick disclaimer here that we are not tax consultants. We are not CPAs. And so we would encourage everybody to consult with their own CPA or tax advisor. But we are here to give some guidance and just provide education on this topic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what, what types of assets can you do these studies on? So, you know, we've been talking about multifamily. This has been kind of the focus with our multifamily, but what about other types of projects? Can you do it on things like storage units, trailer, mobile home parks? Is there anything that we can't do it on? The only thing you can't do a conservation on is your personal residence. Any other type of property can benefit. And, and we work, you know, with every single type of asset class out there. And in fact, many are even more beneficial than multifamily. 
So Interesting. Example, yeah. Mobile home parks are a great example of that because there's a lot of land improvements. If you remember like the landscaping and, the, and the, the pavement and all that, that's usually a lot in a mobile home park, especially if the owner doesn't actually own the homes, which is pretty common that they just own the park and then the tenants own their own homes. And so you basically just own the land. And what's on top of the land is the concrete pads under each home and landscaping and roads. And that's all accelerated depreciation. It it literally can be uh, a huge, huge uh, tax deduction. Wow. That's interesting. I mean, a mobile home park, and I mean, I wouldn't think of something like that where we could, you know, do cost segregation on. So that's interesting. What about new construction? So so let's say whether it's multifamily or, you know, some other type of project, are you able to do cost segregation on new construction? And is that done once the buildings are actually completed? Yes. So you're correct in that the cost segregation or the depreciation in general starts once the building is completed, um, once it's called placed in service. So that's the time when it's rent ready. It doesn't necessarily have to have tenants in it already, but it's ready for tenants. So yes, new construction, you can do the cost segregation on as well, including the construction costs and break those down to make sure you're getting the accelerated depreciation on that. And yeah, it's it's something that is not only for new construction, but also for renovations of an existing property. Because depreciation is established at the time of acquisition. When you buy a property, your purchase price establishes what your tax deduction is going to be mm-hmm. for the, you know 27 years. However, when you add more money into the building, capital improvements, you can now depreciate that amount of money. Okay, so if you spent a million dollars in renovations, you know, replacing everything, whatever, you can now depreciate that million dollars and break it down with the segregation method. Interesting. You work with a lot of different investors. Is there a, a kind of a investor that would be an ideal candidate to do cost segregation or an ideal kind of project or property that cost segregation would work the best on? And I guess along with that question, is there, you know, if somebody's going to hold on to their property for, let's say, three to five years versus somebody who's going to hold on to it for, let's say, 10 years? Kind of what's the ideal profile for somebody to do this type of accelerated depreciation? I think the ideal profile is someone who's a real estate investor and a real estate professional. So there's two different things going on here. There's one that they're a real estate investor. What I mean by that is they're not just someone who bought one property and that's it. And they're planning on holding that one property for for 10 years Mm -hmm. and then maybe selling it, maybe not. A uh, real estate investor is someone who that's going to be their business. That's something they're interested in doing, you know, and growing their portfolio year after year because this is a s- strategy. It's a tax saving strategy. And so the more properties you have and the more you acquire over a period of time, the more you can kind of roll over this benefit and it can benefit from, from one property to the next. And the real estate professional is actually a tax terminology that the IRS describes someone who is full time in the real estate trader business. Once you have that status, you can actually use your depreciation deductions to offset your ordinary income or your spouse's ordinary income from any source. So if your spouse is a you know high W-2 paid job and you're a real estate broker or an investor or full-time and managing, you know, whatever it is, that's the profile that fits the bill. So that'd be the ideal situation to get the maximum benefit. Yes. Interesting. Well, thanks for sharing that. I'm learning a lot. I, I always learn from you. So thank you. And it was interesting because cost segregation, we are actually closing on an apartment deal now and, and we plan on doing cost segregation and passing that depreciation onto our investors. But I, you know, before I got into multifamily, never even heard of cost segregation. So right. when it comes to single family investing, I mean, do you find that, is there any benefit to doing something like this for just having residential rental properties? 
Certainly. Yeah, it it can be because uh, again, you, especially if you're a real estate investor or a real estate professional, you can get those benefits and you can use them to offset your other income. However, I I will note that just like we said earlier on that there's a certain price point where it makes more sense, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Typically single family and obviously maybe in California it's different, but right. You can have a single family. That's a million dollars, right? A guy right now in Los Angeles who, who's got a portfolio of single families and they're all like, you know, minimum like (laughs) $800,000. So like we said before, the lower the purchase price, the lower the benefit, because it's just a percentage benefit. So therefore that's why a lot of people in the single family space haven't heard of it because it's just not relevant to them necessarily since they're, acquisition costs are much lower, their benefit is going to be lower. Okay. So that definitely makes sense. So that's why it was a foreign concept to me until this year. Yona, I really appreciate the time that you spent with us so far. And I just want to pivot a little bit and just uh, talk about you a little bit more personally. What do you think is the biggest kind of in your world? And you, you work with a lot of investors and all different types. Of, what do you think is one of the biggest kind of hurdles that investors are facing today? The biggest hurdle that investors face all the time today and, and any day, in my opinion, is really themselves. You know, and that, that really goes for anyone who is, who is trying to grow a business. You're the biggest obstacle to, to anything. And, and I really truly believe that your mindset and your ability to overcome challenges is what's going to be your biggest benefactor or obstacle. Well, I can definitely agree with that. And, you know, on this podcast, we've had other shows where we've talked to people about, you know, how people have overcome different challenges, but you're so right because I think we get in our own way and we're the ones who allow ourselves to get in our own way of our own success. So I definitely, I definitely uh, agree with you there. Our show here is, you know, we do talk about confessions. We talk about confessions of real estate investors and Is there anything you'd like to share with us kind of from your side of things? Any confession you'd like to make to us that uh, you think would be interesting or beneficial? I'll share something interesting, not as much of a confession as just something that's a little unknown perhaps. And so for some, it might be seen that way. So I actually live, I don't live in the United States. I live in Israel. And I work remotely for, you know, the largest national company doing this. But I think it's, it comes surprising to a lot of people because I'm so active. And, you know, I travel a lot to the States regardless. And, you know, I grew up in Southern California, so I'm American. But I'm living the dream of, you know, living, working remotely from uh, wherever, nice. where I want to be. And so I think that's a surprise to a lot of people because uh, it's not something I put out. It's not part of my, you know, identity, my brand, like sure. everyone needs to know this about me. But uh, it's, it's a cool thing. No, that is. And, you know, because I see you all over social media and you're such a huge presence. And I would have never thought that about you that you actually lived outside the US. I actually thought that you lived in somewhere in California. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> so, you know, so that's the amazing, that's amazing how, uh, you know, social media and, and branding and marketing can work. It's like, I mean, you can really be anywhere in the world. And so I had no idea there you go. <laughs> about that, that about you. <laughs> So we're going to wrap up here. Any advice that you would give to our listeners or to any investors out there? Continue learning, I think is the best advice. And I think listening to a podcast like this, you're already doing that. And the best way that I learn personally is by finding people that I want to be like or or want to, you know, emulate and just spending time with them and just committing myself to, you know, apprenticing them or just helping them out, doing whatever I can, because that's the way you learn the best is by spending time with and following those people who've already done what you aspire to do. So find someone, 
if you have to pay them, if you have to offer them, uh, you know, services or whatever it is, it's worth it because you grow exponentially from, from that type of environment. I think that's great advice, Yona. And by the way, Yona has, I mentioned this earlier in the introduction, he has a podcast called Weiss Advice, right? Weiss Advice. So tell us, tell us about that. What do you, what do you talk about? It's really just conversations. Like it's not an educational podcast per se, meaning we don't really cover topics on the on the podcast. I literally just have people that I already know. So it's like I have people in my network, which I'm very grateful to have incredible network of people. And I just want to talk, have conversations with the most successful people that I know and just ask them questions. And I think those conversations are really beneficial because you get an insider look at maybe people that you've heard of before, people that you know about. They may have been on tons of other podcasts talking about a specific topic, but you don't really get to know them so well. So I kind of like to think of Weiss Advice as more of like uh, a talk show in a way where we're just having a conversation and it's definitely educational because a lot comes out of that, but it's entertaining at the same time. I'll definitely have to check that out. Yona, how can our listeners reach you? Best way to find me is LinkedIn. I'm uh, very active on that platform, if you wouldn't have guessed. And uh, you can go to my website, yonaweiss.com. And you can find everything you need to know about there, including cost segregation. That's awesome. So anybody that's interested in cost segregation, contact Yona. He really is the expert. Uh, you can reach him on his website and also check out his podcast. Uh, actually, that's something I'm going to do because was that just recently launched, Yona? We, I launched it five months ago. So we launched back in May, June, and it's, it, you know, it's still relatively new. I'm still sure. definitely learning, learning the ins and outs of it, but it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Well, definitely check it out. Well, thank you so much again for your time, your expertise. I super appreciate it. And for you listeners, if anyone is interested in learning more about passively investing in multifamily real estate, please visit my website at www.legacybloom.com. Until next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to 50 Shades of Wealth, Confessions of a Real Estate Investor with Sarah Jung. Make sure to visit us at LegacyBloom.com where you can join our investor club and grab a free copy of Sarah's latest book. And if you like the show, don't forget to leave us a quick review. Be sure to tune in next time as Sarah pulls back the curtain once again and shares more Confessions of a Real Estate Investor.